I believe in myself. I believe in this idea and I'm actually going to go for it. If they can do it, I can do it. And I think that's what people identify with. It's that we're all dreaming of what could be in our small towns and it's helping people get the inspiration and maybe just the courage to step out and try it. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. Hi friends, welcome back to Gather and Growth. Today's episode is so special to me. I have the joy of interviewing Dana Larson. When I very first started listening to podcasts back in 2019, Dana's podcast, Rural Revival, was one of the first shows that I discovered and something that had such a big impact on me and the way that I viewed what it meant to do big things in a small town and the vision that I imagined for my life was so expanded by the stories that she shared. So Dana, welcome to Gather and Growth. I'm so honored to have you here today. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. Thanks for being a loyal listener for all these years. Yeah, I so admire the work that you're doing and I can't wait to dive in and hear more about the behind the scenes and have you share so much more of your story and your passion for small towns with our community here. So if someone's meeting you for the first time, would you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what brought you to today? Yeah. So I'm a farm girl from Western Iowa. Grew up in a small town of about a thousand people called Odiebolt. That's the only one like it. But I graduated with a degree in public relations. And at that time, as much as I wanted to stay here, there weren't any jobs in public relations in a small town. Like that was totally a city job. Now that's a little different, but at the time that was totally city. So I went into that and I worked a corporate career for nine years and then went on to run communications for a nonprofit. And then I stepped out to be an entrepreneur. And what I didn't realize was that I was made to be an entrepreneur until I took that risk and that leap of faith. I didn't really know that. I always knew there was more, you know, when I was working corporate and through those other jobs. I'm like, I just feel like this isn't it. There's more. And so it wasn't until I stepped into entrepreneurship that I really started to realize, okay, I was, this is what I was made for. So mm-hmm. I was living in Nashville when I did that. And that's a very entrepreneurial city. So there was a lot of great inspiration around me, lots of creative ideas. And that was really fun. So I kind of actually stumbled on accident into a creative freelancing business. My background obviously is in public relations and communications and marketing and advertising. And so people started to find out that that's what I did. And they started asking me to help them with their project and different things. And so it was an accidental business, but turned out to be a really good thing for me. And so while I was living in Nashville, I would drive home for Christmas and different things through all these small towns. And I was like, it makes me so sad to see our small towns dying off. Mm -hmm. And I loved the way that I grew up. And I feel like we have to try to save this because if we're, if we don't be mindful about that pretty soon, we could, we could actually lose that. 
And so I would drive back and forth. And then I started to realize I had friends who have lived all over the world, but they were choosing to come back to their small towns and open these really cool businesses. And Mm -hmm. so I was home for Christmas and was hanging out with a bunch of my friends and at one of their cool businesses, this cool bar and grill, and said, I feel like somebody needs to do a podcast and tell the world that this is possible because this is so cool. Mm-hmm. And everyone sitting around the table is like, you need to do that. And I yeah. I mean, I knew nothing about podcasting. Like this was just totally a random out of the blue comment. But I mentioned it to a few other different groups of friends while I was home for Christmas and the reaction was the same. And so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, God, if you're serious, then give me a name. And uh, it was like three weeks later that I, it just like dropped in my head, rural revival. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. So not knowing anything about podcasting, thankfully, I was living in Nashville and one of my best friends was a music producer. And so I said, I feel like I'm supposed to start a podcast. Can you help me? And he thankfully did. He ordered me all of my equipment, taught me how to edit, created my music for me, all that stuff. And then I just kind of got sent out into the world to start (laughs) podcasting. And I started by interviewing my friends. And I really didn't have any expectation for what would come of it. I just put it out. At the time, Apple Podcasts was kind of the it platform that was Mm -hmm. all for podcasts. And so I put it out again with like no expectation. But it only took a couple of weeks and people started reaching out to me and saying, hey, how can you help my small business or how can you help my small town? And to be honest with you, I was like, uh, I, <laughs> give me a couple of weeks and I'll get back to you <laughs> because I wasn't expecting to start like a business. I just felt mm-hmm. like I was supposed to do a podcast. But I started to pay attention to what they were saying and started to realize how I could maybe marry my background in the marketing world with mm-hmm. what these people needed in their small towns. And so slowly, this thing just started to grow and the podcast kept getting more listeners. And I just kept interviewing new people, providing new things for them to try to help. And it just kind of organically grew without any plan of mine. So yeah, today I'm five years in actually on the podcast and now it's turned into like a full-fledged business. And again, nothing I could have ever expected or planned, but here we are. And it's so great because I've gotten to meet all these great people in rural America who are actually doing it. We're Mm -hmm. saving our small towns. And in that time, I've actually moved back to my hometown thanks to COVID. (laughs) And, uh, And so now I get to help revive my community too. And it's pretty special. I would have never expected this, but here we are. Here we are. So what do you think it it was about what you were doing and the types of stories that you were sharing that made people latch on and take an interest in it? And like you said, it really has organically grown into something so much more than you could have imagined. Have you been able to identify what are some of those maybe things that attracted people to this project from the beginning? You know, I think there's a lot of people out there in small towns who have this idea or this dream in the back of their head. And they're like, man, it would be really cool if I could do this. And so what I started showing people through the podcast was that you actually could do it. It was possible. And so, you know, it's crazy how one line that somebody says in a podcast can just hit you and be the thing that you needed to hear to be like, okay, 
I believe in myself. I believe in this idea and I'm actually going to go for it. If they can do it, I can do it. And I think that's what people identify with. It's that we're all dreaming of what could be in our small towns and it's helping people get the inspiration and maybe just the courage to step out and try it. Yeah. I think that's so powerful because you're right. When when you see that someone else does something and maybe it's similar to what, what you would want or maybe it's something different, but when you see it successful and thriving in a place like yours, it gives you that hope of like, oh, maybe this is possible. And I think there's so many of us you know, kind of in this generation who are so passionate about the places that we grew up and know what that vision for what small towns look like or remember the stories that our grandparents tell us about what it was like to grow up in these types of communities. And for a lot of reasons that we don't necessarily have to get into, like there has been this kind of downward slope of businesses closing and people leaving. But I think one of the coolest parts that came out of COVID, not that it wasn't a disaster in so many ways, is that people realize like you don't have to go to the big city to build this big dream or to have a thriving business or to do anything. Yeah. And so I I love, and I've said this on my show before, of just like how much of a collective awakening there is in these small towns, specifically with women who are just seeing the potential and want to create a space for their families and a legacy to last. Yeah. I agree with you about COVID. You know, I think we were on our way to being able to do some of these things. And even with people starting to be able to work more remotely, but COVID accelerated that so much. And that was actually a gift to our rural communities. One of the silver linings of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, not that it wasn't a train wreck in some ways, but right. I think it really did, you know, not only just in our rural communities, but it gave us the opportunity to reevaluate what our priorities are. Like we don't have to go through the motions of these things that we thought were just what life had to look like. Like we get to create what our reality is. And when that was all turned sideways, it allowed space for us to reimagine. And so I really admire what you're doing. And I would be interested, you know, in the dozens, if not hundreds of conversations you've had with rural small town business owners up until this point, what are some of those, the biggest struggles or maybe some of the insecurities or fears that they have when considering starting something new? Yeah, it's, um, I think one of the big things is, will the locals support me? And -hmm. will I have the backing of the town, even if it's like the town council and mayor and the leadership? Starting a small business is a big risk. There's no question about it. And starting a small business in a small town is probably an even bigger risk. And so you have to really believe in your gut that this is something you're supposed to do if you go for it. And then I think you you do worry, like, can I make enough money? Can I find a place, a building to have my business? Should I go online? You know, there's so many factors, but I think a big piece is, and, and we live in a generation, especially our generation likes to support local and there's, it's definitely trending that way. But still when people step out in faith, I guess, and, and do these bring these business ideas to life. We as a community have a responsibility to support them because we say we want these things in our small town. Mm -hmm. So then when we get them, are we going to show up? Mm -hmm. And we have to show up if we want them to stay around and if we want other businesses to come. Because if we don't, these business owners will just go to the next town that's got a lot more traction than we do, you know? And so 
I think we have to be really intentional about supporting them. But I think that's probably one of the biggest fears. And and I did create something because I get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. And and I do talk about that a lot when I'm out on the road with people like, I have this idea, like, and here's the building I want. And do you think it could work? And so I created a small town dreamer challenge for exactly that, just to help mm-hmm. people kind of walk through those steps of, could this actually work? What's it going to take on my end to get this up and running? And to be honest with you, it's had mixed results. You know, some people are like, okay, I am ready for this. Other people have come back and said, thank you for having me do this because I realized I'm about five years out. You know, it would not be wise for me to jump in right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it's created for. Like, I want to be your cheerleader, but I also know that timing is so important. And so you have to consider that with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. To be realistic because it's yeah. to, to have the vision and have trust in it, but to know, do you have all the the bricks laid, so to speak, for the foundation for this, yeah. for this thing? Especially I think when you're thinking about a physical like brick and mortar type of business. Yeah. So I'd be interested, like what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, either from these business owners or even just within yourself over the past five years? Well, I'm a person who just kind of like bubbles over with vision and dreams. Um, (laughs) But I've learned even, I think coming back to my hometown has been a good example. You have to change a mindset. And that's a lot of what rural revival is about. That's a lot of, of what people are doing in our small towns is you're trying to change a mindset that's maybe been in place for decades sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it's helping people to try to see your town in a different way. And, you know, me coming back, I will have a conversation with anyone who wants to talk about it, you know, but I always try to stay positive because we have to. And I think what we're up against is a lot of negativity and, and people thinking that it's too late or this town's dying or it can't be saved, those types of things. And, you know, when you drive down the same street for 30 years, you start to just, it just becomes normal to you. And it probably took me moving away and then coming back to see more of that. And and Mm -hmm. I really do think also living in Nashville around all those entrepreneurs and these really cool businesses helped me view small town America in a different way too. Mm -hmm. But that's been a really important lesson, I think, is just you have to keep going. It's You can't revive a town in a year even a couple years, you know, it's a long game. And so marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) A very, very long marathon. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you just have to remember that and then just stay positive. Like, do we have old buildings that are going to cost a lot to try to save and a lot of time and effort? We'll have to go into that. Absolutely. There's no question about it. But do we also have a lot of opportunity in those buildings? And is this where the business owners of at least my generation want to go? Absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there is this reality, but then there's also this possibility. And that's what I'm trying to help people see is what's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that one thing that I have found that a lot of the women I talk to struggle with is even if they have the vision or they have the dream and they like know it's possible, there is this element of like, who am I to do this? Or what are they going to say about it? Or what are they going to think? I'd be interested in what, how you coach some of these small business owners or these small town dreamers through some of those mindset pieces of, can I even do this? Am I enough? And 
what are my neighbors going to think? Or those people I went to high school with or, you know, all of that stuff that comes oh, yeah. with something in a small town. Absolutely. And while every scenario is unique, I will say like a common thing that I try to encourage people with is like, you have these dreams in your heart for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're not just random. And a lot of people that I talk to, like this has been a dream in their heart for years. They've been thinking about it for years. And so what I have seen, and I'll use the pioneer woman as a, an example. So I've been to Pahuska, Oklahoma a lot, which is home of the pioneer woman. And we've done a lot of interviews and stuff there, which you can find on the Rural Revival website. But one thing I've noticed is that her dream was to open up a store and, and her husband's, like it was their dream together. But they opened up this really great store in their downtown. But because they stepped into their dream, it then opened the door for all of these other people to then step into their dream. And so if you're not stepping into your dream, you're holding somebody else back from being able to step into their dream. And so it's this ripple effect, you know, and me stepping out and doing rural revival when I had no idea what I was doing has opened the door for other people to have the courage to start businesses in rural America and to bring Mm -hmm. something special to their town. And then by them doing that, that has opened the door for all these other people to follow behind them in their towns. And so Mm -hmm. it's just this really cool, when you look at it that way, it's this really cool ripple effect. And I think that we have to just remember those things are in us on purpose. And we were made this way on purpose because it's our calling. We have something to carry out and bring to the world with our life. Mm -hmm. I so agree with that. And I think that, you know, even just going back to the early in our conversation, we want so much of this for our small towns, or we'll hear people complain, oh, there's nowhere to eat here. Oh, I have to drive all the way down to to shop, or there's nothing to do, or there's nothing to do with our kids. And it's like, well, we can sit around and complain about it, or someone can do something about it. And like you said, it's a domino effect. I see that happening in two of the towns that are relatively close to me. It's like, it started with one thing, and then another store opened, and then someone renovated this. And it's momentum. And like you said, it's a long game. But if that first person had been like, oh, someone's gonna gonna think badly about me or this won't work, like that domino effect would have never started. And so sure, it's easier said than done to say, oh, just be confident and, you know, ignore the haters or whatever. But I love that you said, you know, it's never an accident. Anytime that we have a dream on our heart, big, small, anywhere in between, it's on purpose. And when you do it, it gives someone else permission to live out their own. A hundred percent. Yes. Love it so much. So besides what you've already shared, what advice do you have for someone who's like listening to this conversation and kind of nodding along and almost feeling like personally attacked? Like, oh, shoot, I do have this dream and (laughs) and I've been putting it off and I, I don't know. I don't know about whether it'll work or I don't know what I should do. What advice do you give to you know, these small town dreamers who who have the vision and are considering stepping into something really big? Yeah. Well, first of all, kind of formulate a little plan around it and what that would look like to get, get it started up for you. Like, do you need a loan? All those different types of things. But also talk to your town leadership and ask them, if I do this, do I have your support? Do you agree mm-hmm. to get behind me in this? And, you know, something that has worked too for us in a lot of communities is to send out a survey to your town and ask mm-hmm. them, what is it that you guys think we need the most here? And what are you most willing to support? And see if that aligns, you know, with what your idea is. And that can help give you some confidence too. But 
I think you just have to sometimes try. And sometimes that doesn't look like going to buy the big main street building and stocking all this inventory and going in, you know, all in right away. Sometimes it means testing it out a little bit. Like what if you got a little inventory and started to pop up at somebody else's Mm. business as like a special event and just kind of test the water. One of my recent podcast interviews, Marcy Bergman over in Sumner, Iowa, she wanted to bring a coffee shop to her town, but she has a full-time job. And so what she did was ended up buying a coffee trailer and she parked it outside the bank where people were going on Saturday mornings. And it was only open on Saturday mornings. And she would park it out there just to see, okay, could this actually work in our community? Would the community support it? And they did and they loved it. And now she has since moved into like a storefront on their main street, but she still at the moment is only open on Saturdays because that's all her schedule allows. And the town knows that. And so they they plan around it, you know, and eventually yeah. she can expand. But I think that's a really cool opportunity that we do have in small towns is you can make it fit for you. Mm. And there's plenty of examples of shops that are only open one weekend a month. But once people know that, and once you communicate, okay, this for this year, these are the weekends I'm going to be open, they can plan their schedule around that and they will. And so I think don't be afraid to start small. Don't be afraid to think outside the box in creating something that works for you and your family because your town will adjust accordingly, you know, and, and it will give you an opportunity to not be necessarily all in at the beginning, but to just test it out a little bit and see, okay, this could work. And there's so much that you just learn by doing, you know, I'm, I'm a hands-on learner. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are that way. And we just have to get out there and do it and test the water. And I, I always say, I'll try anything once (laughs) if it happens to work. Awesome. I'm on to something. If it doesn't happen to work, I always learn something from that that mm-hmm. I can then apply to something else in the future. And so I think you just have to be willing to step out and take the risk and not be afraid, knowing it might work or it might not. But either way, I'm going to learn something. And you have to be willing to take that kind of risk. I think mm-hmm. as a an entrepreneur, you just have to. And you don't have to you know, be $100,000 in. You can start yeah. small, test the water, and and go from there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reminding ourselves that it's going to take a lot of messy action, and it's not yeah. going to look like the dream on day one. Especially yeah. when you know the beauty of the internet and Instagram is that we we see so much inspiration and we connect with so many people and we see all these different ideas. But then sometimes that can be paralyzing. Is oh well, I can't do that because it's not going to look like that, and I want that, and that's not where I'm at. And so we hold ourselves back because we're so drowning in the the perfectionism of it yeah. not looking that certain way. And it's like, well, they had a day one too. And it certainly did not look like that on day one. So, you know, it's one thing to know where you dream to be, but also recognizing you have to meet yourself where you're at. And like you said, maybe it's a, a coffee trailer only open on Saturday mornings, but it's part of the evolution. And if you're going to learn and you're going to grow and you might fall flat on your face, but you're going to pick yourself right back up and pivot. And it might yeah. lead to something you never even expected. Like exactly. even when I think about my entrepreneurial journey, I'm only a year and a half in and the things that I'm doing are in the same wheelhouse, but vastly different than what I anticipated when I originally took the leap. And thank goodness, because if I'd held myself to like, no, this is what I said I'm going to do. I wouldn't be exactly where I am today. So 
it's taken that baby step and then another baby step and then another baby step and then a few little leaps here and there (laughs) and then watching it grow and evolve. And ultimately it's exciting and it's an adventure. And I think if you choose to look at it that way, it makes it a little less overwhelming and a little more fun. Yeah, absolutely. This is Alita. Thanks for listening to Mommy Podcast. If you like today's episode, we feel free. And then the children will tell you about our dose song. Thank you so much for recording. You heard the girl. If you're loving today's episode, we would so appreciate if you leave us a review, share on social, or send it to a friend. So for someone listening who, you know, lives in a rural community or in a small town, but, you know, maybe doesn't have that entrepreneurial drive at this point in their life, I'm not going to say never say never because I am not the person who was born to be an entrepreneur. Like (laughs) I came into this accidentally. I was a teacher. I thought I was going to be a teacher forever until, you know, I am still a teacher kind of, but definitely was not in the game plan. But anyway, I'm going to say it was partially inspired by your podcast. Not not 100%. Man, but. that's amazing. Yay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for someone who's in a small town or real community, what can we do to support the people around us who are starting these new adventures and trying to, you know, breathe some new life into our small towns? Yeah, I think just show up, support their businesses, encourage them. You know, like I look at my role in my small town. I don't have aspirations to have a storefront. And I think a lot of people have maybe thought that I do because they came back and I'm trying to save some of these buildings, but that's not my calling. Mm -hmm. And I know that at least not in this season. And like you said, I guess never say never, but in this season, that is not my calling. I love what I do and I know that I'm doing the right thing, but I believe our town can be a place where when I am not on the road that I can come back to, and we can have all this great stuff that other towns around us have. And so my role is to help cast vision and it's to Mm. help support these people. And I've had a lot of conversations with people who are like, I have this idea. Can I just talk to you about it? Yeah, I would love to, you know? And so I think just being that person that's supportive and Mm -hmm. who believes in the vision and who champions it and is willing to get behind these people and support them and their dreams and their ideas is an important role too. You know, we all have different roles to play. And sometimes that's being the business owner. Sometimes that's being the person who goes and shops at the business or who maybe gets some friends together and says, Hey, let's come to our town for a girl's weekend or a Mm -hmm. shopping day, a small town shopping day. You know, we all can play an important role in helping our town revive in different ways that fit our unique giftings. Mm-hmm. I think even as simple as like being that person who shares the post. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. media is an uphill game right now sometimes. And yeah, I love as these new businesses are popping up near me to just see like, you know, this new restaurant comes and it's like, has like 68 shares and it makes me get emotional because I'm like, yes, that means, you know, people are here for it, whether they drive through and get a drink every day or whether they're going out to eat with their family. But they're, they're regularly making people aware and showing how much they care and how much they support it. So Absolutely. And somebody, I feel like somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody in your community is the grant writer. They're the person mm-hmm. who's going to go after the money and who has a gift of writing and who can contribute that way. You know, it, it just takes all types to make it happen and teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Yeah. And I even, you know, you saying that, I think 
even bigger or differently than businesses. We recently had a group of moms come together and be like, you know what? Our playground is struggling. We got to fix this. And it was like the way that the community rallied in such Mm -hmm. like they were just waiting for someone to say, I'm going to be that person and I need help. And, you know, to whatever a year or whatever it was to go from idea to watching my kids play on it and going to the dedication was like, this is the power of people. This is fundraising and grant writing and showing up in little ways and big ways. And like I said, it's one thing to to see the need and it's another thing to stand up and say, I'm going to be the person that leads the people yeah, to do something about it. Last year, I started a community foundation for our town because we have some projects that are going to take a lot of money. And if we are going to apply for all these grants, we have to be able to have supporting funds, matching funds to go along with them so we can maximize the dollars that we can get from these grants. And so we hosted a farm to table dinner in our downtown and raised $75,000. And it was mind blowing, you know, but that's my role in this, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm the vision caster. I can help kind of lead in that way. And then everybody else. yeah, Yeah. The playground is a great opportunity. The town pool, you know, those are things that are important for young families. And I think we have to make sure that we are geared with that in mind is like, how do we keep this a place where young families and young people want to be Mm -hmm. and want to come home to? And I just started a, a project called Raise to Stay just along those same lines. And that's all about challenging our small towns to do what we need to do to get our young people to stay to either Mm -hmm. stay after high school or to come back after college. And we have to figure out what it is that they want. Mm -hmm. And then we have to implement that because that is a huge key to the future of our towns thriving, our rural towns. And Mm -hmm. so we're sending out surveys and we're, we're actually asking these high school juniors and seniors, what would it take to get you to stay? Like, will you stay or will you go? We know that we have a role to play in that. And so we want to make sure that we do everything we can to get these people to stay. So if you're interested, you can find more on the website. I'd love to have you participate. It's a free survey. And I think it's going to be important for our towns to have that information. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And I just, that makes me think of like the kind of impact and the kind of legacy that your work is doing. So I'd be curious, have there been any moments that you're like, oh, this is important. Like, I can't believe that this happened, like as a domino effect of me saying yes to this calling. Yeah. I Last summer, I had somebody contact me. It's the neighborhood bakehouse that is now in Red Oak, Iowa. And they said, we just want you to know that it is because of your podcast that we moved to this small town and decided to open a business there. And I was like, what? That's amazing. Like that's beyond an impact that I could have ever imagined for this podcast. But they heard someone interviewed on there. And again, it was that something that they said that just resonated with them. It just got them in their soul, you know, and they're like, Mm -hmm. that's where we're supposed to move. And they did it. And so their grand opening is coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to go because that's just beyond my imagination of like coolest story of an impact. So yeah. Yeah. And there's more like that, but that's, I mean, that was a major life change for them because of listening to a podcast. Yeah. I'm sure there's dozens of stories like that. I remember even like when I, when I started listening, we had lived here a couple of years and, you know, 
hadn't thought too much of it. I knew I wanted to live in a rural community, but to hear those stories, like, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Jeez. But just like it really renewed a sense of pride of what was possible and the obligation that I had to to pour into and to serve, you know, this community that we live in and that we're going to raise our family in. So I have no doubt that there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of stories that that you might not even know of, you know, that ripple effect. And I think that that anytime, um, as we said, anytime you step into a dream, it is a domino effect in some ways that we see, in some ways that we will never know that will yeah. change that will change for generations to come. So yeah. I know that you've shared some of the projects that you're working on, but I would love to hear what else is in the works and how can they serve these rural communities and these these business ideas and these big dreams that are coming about. Tell us more about what you're doing and how we can get involved. Yeah. So I've had a lot of interest in the farm dinner that I mentioned earlier. So I actually offer two kits. One is the farm dinner event kit because putting on a farm dinner is kind of like putting on a wedding. It's massive. And so I created a kit to help people because I just get all kinds of questions about it. And so that's been a really helpful resource for towns wanting to do that. And then also a kit for a what could be tour, which is like Mm. taking your vacant buildings and staging them and then planning an event around um, helping people see what they could be. And that has had some incredible results for communities. And so those are two really great things that can help you build momentum. I also just released a social media course that is geared specifically for small businesses in small towns. So I have to be honest with you, I had kind of gotten burnout on social media and keeping up with the algorithm. I love the community Mm. piece, but the algorithm, like, you know, and so I actually created this for myself because I knew I had to find a different way to approach social media in a way that made it fun for me. And um, in doing so, I was like, wow, I think this can really help a lot of people. So I turned it into a course and it's geared specifically for small businesses in small towns. And I really believe it can help you. You know, as much as we can like or dislike social media, the truth is that is where the people are Mm -hmm. and you have to go where the people are. And so Mm -hmm. I want to help small businesses be able to make the most of that opportunity because I do think it is a critical piece of our business. Mm -hmm. And especially in a small town, you need to be able to reach as many people as possible. And social media is equipped for that. We just have to understand how to use it. And so I feel like that's going to help a lot of small businesses. I also have some branding resources for people. If you're interested in building a brand, I have an online course for that, which helps you just set up all the foundations, logo, your fonts, your colors, and helps you get a real grasp on establishing who is your target audience, how do you go after them, that kind of stuff. And I do some in-person workshops here and there. I don't have any on the calendar as of yet, but we will be getting some on the calendar soon. So you can stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, I also have lots of free resources on the website just of like town features, towns that are being revived. And I have the business owners write about it so that you can learn from them and apply that to what you're trying to do. And that's been really helpful. We've got some great downloads there. And... Yeah, I'm going to be announcing some other stuff coming up here in the next couple months. So I would just say, go join our email list, follow on social media. You can keep up that way and hear it be the first to know. So, so exciting. Well, I know as like, you know, a small business owner, you're doing all the things. And so when you can get help and understanding where to spend your time, because yeah. social media can be a full time job. So oh, I love yeah. that you created that specifically of 
where do you spend your time? How do you maximize that? And, you know, understand that and be able to focus on other things too. So very cool. Well, one question I ask every guest who comes on, as this is a podcast dedicated to personal and professional growth for rural women, is what does personal growth mean to you? Oh, man, I am a learner. So I'm constantly trying to learn new things. And that probably goes hand in hand with being an entrepreneur. But yeah, I think it's so important. We, If we're not growing, we're going backwards, you know? And so I always mm-hmm. want to be growing. I always want to be learning. I try to read books as much as I can, which is hard because I don't feel like I have the time that I would love to have to do that. But I, I'm a reader. I will watch, you know, things on YouTube. I'm not afraid to reach out to somebody and be like, hey, I see you are really good at economic development in your area. Can can I talk to you about that? You know, and people are pretty willing to share. And and those are the types of people that I try to bring into rural revival too, as people that we can really learn from, because ultimately that's what we're all trying to do. You know, I always say, I'm like, I'm a self-taught economic developer, which is the truth (laughs) because I had to teach myself. And so um, I think just to always be learning. And again, we will have failures but to be able to learn from them and apply that to making things better moving forward is key and not getting hung up on that stuff. And so, yeah, I think personal growth is is a huge part of what we're doing individually and how we're reviving our communities too. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's from the inside out. It's from one yeah. heart to another and learning what it means to take care of ourselves and step into our goals and empower the people around us and view each other as community and not someone to compete with. I truly believe that's how we'll transform our communities from the inside out. Yes. hundred percent. Oh, I love that so much. I feel like we could talk for hours. I, I know. So, <laughs> I have so many things I feel like I want to learn from you, but I appreciate your time with us today and I look forward to continuing to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for having me. And I just am excited to encourage you and what you're doing too. So it's great that we can both be doing great things in rural America. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushel.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing gathering growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.